Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to the show. Today, we are talking about Thanksgiving. You're at the table. The whole family's there. I'm sure everybody has only constructive and positive things to say. So if your past Thanksgiving did not go perfectly according to your health and fitness plans, we are going to sort through today. We're going to talk about why these things happen, each of the characters that tend to come into play, and sort of how we can take these experiences and prepare for next year and the holidays to come for the rest of the holiday season. I want you to bring yourself back the scene of the crime. You're sitting at the Thanksgiving table. You look around. Let's start with the aunt that has been on a diet since she was two years old. This could be the almond mom of the group, if you will. This is the person that is not only always on a diet, they're also telling you about it, and they're weirdly making you feel kind of shitty for eating like a normal person, even though you know they're crazy. Let's start with that character at the table. This person is the best possible example of one of the extreme ends of the spectrum we'll talk about today. The almond aunt is the representation of overthinking. This is the person that dessert is put on the table and you can't help but notice they've literally only stared at it, but they haven't taken any and they're staring at yours and they're staring and it's like everyone's food is so their business. That person did not just wake up one day and decide to be a dick. That's not how that works. What we can find from that is the later years of really just constant obsession and never coming out of that cycle. This person actually tends to be at a pretty normal weight most of the time, not always. But the avatar that I'm talking about is a great person to look to for what happens if you do not change your mindset. As you get more solidified in the food obsession or commenting on others' foods or just noticing everyone else's food or your own food or just it's all you can think about, the more you solidify that habit, the more the habit gets solidified because you continue to repeat it. Every time you do that, you are then voting for that action to remain a habit. We don't want to learn much from Almond Aunt. We are going to keep it moving, but I want you to keep her in mind as more so a consequence. And this is a metaphorical almond aunt consequence. Overthought, years on end, never really getting out of it and assuming that everyone else should be as paranoid about food as they are. Let's then scan all the way down the table to the complete other end of the spectrum. There we find the worst of the bunch, the naturally skinny one. Fuck that dude, right? You know exactly what I'm talking about. This is the naturally skinny friend or the naturally skinny person. And this Thanksgiving table is really just designed to get you to get you to picture it. But unfortunately, most families, this works quite well. So when we see the naturally skinny person on the complete other end of the spectrum, this is the person that is sitting across from you and they still have half of the meal on their plate. But they're like in the conversation, like they're not even thinking about it. When you notice that this person can happily sit with half of whatever, the sandwich, the meal, the cookie on their plate and sort of just forget about it. And that blows your mind. You're like, what? how do you just you just don't you just aren't thinking about it because you're like in the in the conversation. You're not just like pretending to be in the conversation, like thinking about the cookie. No, like they're truly present in the conversation. 
And I want to talk about this naturally skinny phenomena as the other end of the spectrum, and then we're going to bring it all together. The naturally skinny person does not have some magic gene that you don't have. They were not born with a superpower to eat Big Macs at their will and bend it to their own. That's not how this goes. However, barring true genetic freaks, there are people that will massively overburn compared to what you would think they would burn for their body size. There are the genetic freaks, but this is not most people. And I want that to be very clear. When I say genetic freaks, I mean the luckiest of the bunch. These are the Victoria's Secret Angels of the group. These are the NFL players. These are the genetic freaks among us. That's why we literally put them on TV because we're like, whoa, like that's why we like that. So when we look at the genetic freaks, right, there are some people that will massively overburn the like in terms of the amount of calories they burn every single day just existing compared to their body size. And these people do exist. They do usually have a little more muscle mass, whatever it is. Typically, though, really, and this is a hard truth, typically what is actually going on with your naturally skinny friend, the friend that can just throw down whatever and just never seems to gain a pound and you're so confused by them, most of the time, not always, most of the time, this person does not have some magic potion back pocket thing you don't have secret. It's not that. It's not. What has actually happened is they were never indoctrined into fad dieting or just like dieting in general and weight loss or whatever. And unfortunately, the deeper someone goes, the more diets you go on, the more ways to lose weight, the more things you look at, the deeper you go into this cycle over and over and over again. We start to become so focused on food that we overeat just because food is the forefront of all of our thoughts all day. And and you can't escape that. Like if you're constantly thinking about food and how many calories do I have left for this and do I have enough protein? Okay, well, if I eat all of this, then then I won't have enough carbs for... If that's taking up your brain space all day, what is going to happen is food just becomes a theme. And if you're always thinking about food in some way, shape or form, you're going to get hungrier. And this can be kind of exemplified if you've had a really busy day and like you kind of forget to eat for a certain amount of time. And then you're like, oh, like crap. That is the same phenomena. But imagine if you never had the time to sink back into all of the deep dives you've gone on all of these diets. And then look at your friend or your cousin or whoever it is. This person is not all consumed by their Big Mac because it's not the last Big Mac they'll ever have. And they know that. And they're able to actually just stop when they're full because they haven't overthought it to fucking death. And when you overthink it to death of, am I full? Is this 80%? Is it, oh, I should drink water beforehand? When you get really, really deep into that thought process, you are no longer listening to your body. And this is food noise versus your food voice. Your food voice is something we're all born with. It's, it's what tells us that we're hungry and drives us and motivates us to go get food. And that evolutionarily is is fabulous. It tells us when we're full to stop eating. It tells us when something doesn't agree with us and doesn't sit right. Your food voice is constantly sending you messages. This is the nature part of nature versus nurture. The nurture part of it is when we start adding all of these messages and layers and things that we think about to this thought process and sort of bastardizing it and drowning it out with all of these messages that we've taken in externally. That becomes your food noise. Your food noise is when you have eaten a full meal and you still feel like you could have three or four bowls of ice cream and you genuinely know you are not physically hungry. Like, you know this. 
but you could still eat. That is your food noise that says, yes, we're still hungry. Go get the ice cream. Go get the ice cream. And you fight with it. You don't fight with your food voice because it's very inherent. We learn to fight with our food voice by telling ourselves we're not hungry or to eat less or to start restricting. And usually we don't do it in the smartest of ways to begin. And that begins. And even if we've talked ourselves out of these fad diets or the way that we do things and we're doing it more sustainably, which I hope for each and every one of you, that doesn't erase the trauma, if you will, of your body not knowing how you are going to nourish it or if you're going to nourish it. And that really starts to make things cloudy. It changes how you perceive this food voice because it's now being filtered through this noise, a literal noise of just arguing back and forth with yourself. The naturally skinny person seems present because they're not having an argument in their head of if they've already eaten too much or if they're full or if they'll get to eat this thing again. And should I just finish it because if I, I, I'm done, I'm never eating Big Mac after this. So now they don't have that going on. So they are actually listening to you. And that sounds batshit to us people who have dealt with this on a day-to-day and and really had these arguments in our head. And I, I get that. But it's true. When you don't have this mass need to regulate your food, your food regulates itself. And that's why this person stays thin, because there's no reason to overeat, because they're not restricted in any way, shape, or form. Why would they have to overeat? And the real like kicker of this is that they're the naturally skinny, quote unquote, friend for a reason. These people tend to be thin. Like they, these people don't tend to be overweight people. And maybe they don't have a rippling six pack, whatever it is. But isn't it just so sick that these people that have never had that stress in at least a major way or whatever, and this is the situation, there's not something else going on. Isn't it just sick that those people end up weighing less than the people like us? Like I was for so long just arguing with myself and like, I carried more weight when I was fucking obsessed. I was obsessed with food. Here you are at this table. At one end, you have Almond Aunt. The other end, you have your naturally skinny cousin, friend, whoever. And they're usually nice too, which is the fucking worst. And you're in the middle. And you're like, "I, I, I I don't know how to avoid this end. I certainly don't relate to that end. Like, where am I? For holidays, I like to prep instead of think. You should not be thinking. And this is something that I am still trying to bang through my own thick skull. We're not all as smart as we tend to think we are. So all of this thought thinking that we do all the time, all day, a lot of it isn't as productive as we feel like it is. And you know what massively exasperates that is the characters at the table that we didn't even talk about racist uncle anybody do we have the grandmother that's angry about everything do we have the interpersonal family arguments there are so many layers especially at the holidays that add to this overthinking or overthought my advice is that thinking should actually not be a part of your strategy at all because it's not really going to do much good for you or anybody else what do we do instead we prepare how are you are going to prepare There's a couple of things that are main pillars that I tell my clients when they go to their holiday events. Number one, spoil your appetite. If you've ever been in a restaurant and you've gotten an appetizer that wasn't nearly as big as the meal you're going to eat, you're starving and you eat like a totally normal amount of the appetizer, but like you eat the appetizer, 
And then the food doesn't come for a really long time and you like basically don't even want it, even though you didn't eat like tons before, but you're like, you don't even care about it anymore. That's spoiling your appetite. And you can actually do that before you go to events so that when you get there, this massive display of all of these wonderful things, you don't also feel like you can eat the couch cushion. So you're going to eat all of it. That is setting yourself up for failure in the biggest way is to save, quote unquote, all your calories for later and then tell yourself that because you're saving your calories, you can eat. You're going to end up eating way more in that way. What I would like you to try to do instead is eat something that is high in the things that you were more likely to miss out on during a holiday meal. Something that's really high in fiber, something that's really high in protein, having some water, like some actual just regular water, especially if you're going to be drinking later. If we can pile on these things, don't worry about how many calories it is. Don't worry about all of these little nitpicky things. As much protein, as much fiber, as many veggies, whatever your guideline is as possible before you actually arrive at the event, you will be absolutely shocked how much more present you can be when you are not arguing with yourself, literally. So another way that we can avoid arguing with ourselves. If you go to a family event and you are like 99.9998% of families, there's that one person that pisses you the fuck off. Oh my God, do they drive you up a wall. I don't drink, but there are the people that all of a sudden I drink. You know, I don't. It's just it it happens very quickly. What we want to do is prepare for this. So I would like you to set yourself some realistic guidelines that will not ruin your time. This should be something you can stick to if it's alcohol specifically, which I think tends to be the easiest thing to set boundaries around and really make a big difference. If it's alcohol, it should be something that you can keep track of intoxicated. And that sounds so stupid. But if you're not going to have more than four drinks, quote unquote, but after three drinks, you can't really count drinks anymore. Not the best strategy. What we can do instead is we can say, okay, I'm not going to have shots. I am going to have a water with every single drink that I have. So I always have a one to one and I'm not going to have shots so I don't get drunk too fast. That's a perfectly reasonable thing to stick to. And with that, it's not going to ruin your time. It's going to blend into the day fairly easily. What we don't want to do is set a completely unrealistic guideline. Like, I'm not going to drink. Remember so-and-so from the mix of the middle of the table? All of a sudden, they're right next to you. They want to be your BFF and chat it up. Do your rules go out the window and you set yourself up to feel like you were a failure, even though you totally didn't fail. You were just never going to stick to that in the first place. Set things you can stick to in the first place because it's still going to get you much farther than setting the more extreme goal and not sticking to it at all. Now, here's the thing. That's pretty much all I tell my clients to do before holidays. A lot of times I'll tell people to have a protein shake before they go. That can make a big difference. But there's these little tactics That is not actually the bread and butter of the advice that I would like to give you today. There are two things that absolutely screw people over during the holiday season. And something that I'll tell you about these two main things is neither of them are the day itself. Doesn't even make the list. The holiday itself does not make this list. The first thing is not immediately returning to their routines. The second thing is the leftover excuse. We're going to get into both of them. Number one, the days following the holiday, this is where everyone gains their holiday weight. It's not on Christmas. It's not on Thanksgiving. It's all of the weeks between those two that you had. This happened and the party and the that. And 
all of these things add up and suddenly you've gained that 10 to 15 pounds you didn't want to gain. So my advice is if it is not the holiday and you act like it is not some season, it's not so you really just stick to your stuff as normal. Don't make any changes. Don't make it harder, but you just stick to it. You will eliminate almost all of the grief, even if you absolutely go nuts on the holidays themselves. People do not gain weight on holidays. People gain weight in the days following holidays when they couldn't get their shit together after the holiday. The second thing is the leftover excuse. The leftover excuse sort of ties into the first one, but you can also take it more literally. The leftover excuse, it's because your already dead grandmother baked you a pie and it was really sad that she came back and made that pie just for you. So you had to take the rest home and now you're eating the whole thing and oh my God, I shouldn't have any more pie. And now it's in your freezer tormenting you for no reason again now we're thinking again and we know that that's bad and we're arguing again and we want to it's like a narcissist like we can't argue with our food noise because it gives it power like we cannot actually feed into this if you know you are going to fight with yourself about the pie in the freezer for the next two weeks do not take the fucking pie home like don't take it you're gonna do yourself a favor it's not gonna feel like a big deal in the instance like no i won't take any of that like my stomach will hurt whatever give a little excuse pass it off, go. I understand there are some cultural differences. Like if you are celebrating certain holidays this season a certain way and certain people will be really offended and it's a part of the tradition. I understand there are exceptions to this. 90% of you people are white as hell. I don't want to hear it. You cannot take something home. And yes, your grandmother might bitch at you, but nothing's going to happen. When you are doing this, set yourself up to not have to argue. There's no leftover excuse. There's no it's special because Just let yourself get back into that normal routine. What does this allow us to do? All of this, right? We look at both ends of those spectrums. Only one end of the table is enjoying themselves, right? And it's not the almond aunt. I can tell you that much. The person that is quote unquote naturally skinny or whatever it is, they just don't really care about food and they always seem to be in shape and whatever. That person is fully present. How do you become fully present? How do we not argue with ourselves? Honestly, you just let yourself be and you stop worrying about the holiday itself. Actually, so if you do whatever the hell you want, Thanksgiving, you went ham, you went in, you got trash drunk, you ate whatever food was in front of you, you had the time of your freaking life and you made amazing memories with whoever you were with, right? That's what happened. Say you had an extra three to 5,000 calories that day, right? High end. When you have that chunk, say you ate 10,000 calories that day, which is pushing it high, you are still going to double, triple, maybe quadruple that amount of calories, not getting back to the normal amount, even if you restricted on the day of. If you every day for the next four weeks eat an extra 1,000 or 500 calories, which happens very easily, but you were super restrictive on the day of, you actually still ate more in that second scenario. And that's what people don't understand. It is hard to go and do years of damage in a day. It's It doesn't happen often. It's not something that if you're not actually sabotaging yourself, you should be totally fine. The goal is to feel like you participated, not like you're going to puke. When you are participating to the fullest, you're not saying no to anything, and then you go back to your normal routine, the amount of calories that are quote unquote extra or how much it threw you off track or however you want to relate to that is so, so minimal 
compared to the stress of it all day and then eating off track anyway for three or four weeks after because it's the quote unquote holiday season and there's all of these foods around anyway. You become the present person by not over restricting yourself on the day of and understanding the bigger picture of this. I am going to leave a calendar sheet below where you can kind of track the basics throughout the month so you can get better at looking at that bigger picture and realizing that, you know, one day is not going to make or break you by any means. And this is a sneak peek of what is to come on this podcast for free on New Year's. So check it out. Bye, guys.